right, everybody. What's going on? My name is Josh Corporal. I'm streaming live from Key West, Florida, and welcome to another episode of Fire Builders Live. Uh, I have a very special guest, Nikki Nash, on the show. Nikki, welcome to Fire Builders Live. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited that you are here. We are going to talk about all things marketing today, which is going to be a great conversation. Uh, but before we get into all of that, guys, if you are just listening, if you're not familiar with how Firebuilders Live works, what we do is we bring on these amazing people, these great experts. We take big topics and we break them down into small goals, simple things that you can do every day to improve. And today, it's all about marketing. Uh, that is a very important topic, obviously, as more and more people transition from, say, offline to online, their marketing efforts are uh, even more important. And um, if you've ever tried to market before, you know that most times you don't get it right the first time. You need to try and try and try again. And there's a process to do that. And that's why we are going to be talking to Nikki today. If anybody knows a thing or two about marketing, it is Nikki. She was previously a marketing manager for Intel and the lead marketing instructor for General Assembly. And now you have since branched off on your own. You've become a successful podcast host, a marketing advisor. And in 2021, keep an eye out on bookshelves because her book, Market Your Genius, is coming out uh, through publisher Hay House, which is an incredible feat on its own. So again, we're going to be talking about marketing. Nikki, Welcome to Fire Builders Live. Thank you. I am so excited to be with everyone today. This is epic and exciting. <laughs> epic, yes. Yes, it is. This is going to be good. Uh, you know, we, we spoke a little bit earlier, and you and I, we have very similar philosophies on how marketing works. And I feel like it's because of our boots on the ground, get your hands dirty approach. We've both been there. Uh, so that's what we can talk about today. But first, where are you in the world? And uh, tell me, tell me what a typical day in Nikki Nash's life looks like. Yeah, well, I am in New Jersey. So shout out for people not only on the East Coast, but specifically in or from New Jersey, because we get a bad rep. So I always have to show extra love for my Jerseyans. Uh, and a typical day that is uh a great question because I don't know if I have a typical day, but there are, tip there are, I guess, certain buckets of things that I'm usually doing. And I'm either creating content, which is either videos, books, working on my book, podcasts, things like that. I am either working with clients, so uh, coaching, consulting, things like that, um, working with my team or managing team. And then outside of that, I'm just trying to go for walks. I go for a lot of walks and runs now. It's like my, my new norm. I'm always outside just kind of trying to enjoy life. I love it. Yes. Uh, same with me, right? Like that's, that's gotta be the new norm, especially because of how shut in we all are these days. Um, you know, you got to get out and keep that sanity. Uh, so, so what, how did you get into the marketing game? How did you get to be the, you know, a marketing advisor uh, and and do the the lead marketing for Intel, working for them? How did it all start for you? Yeah, so it's funny because I was actually an English major in college, and so everybody said, "Oh, you must have been a business major, and you knew you wanted to do this your whole life." I'm like, no. At one point in my life, I wanted to be an actress. Then I decided I wanted to be a journalist, and I 
one thing about me is that if I can think where I want to be in the next, you know, three, four, five, ten 10 years, I will sit down and figure out what's the way to get there. So I knew I wanted to be a journalist. I thought I was going to go to Berkeley. I called Berkeley up. I was like, how do I get into your grad school for journalism? And they told me about this uh, program at NYU that happens over the summer about book and magazine publishing. And so I literally took that program. I was introduced not only to the editorial people, but also the marketing and sales people. Fell in love with the marketing and sales people. The uh, publisher of InStyle Magazine said, hey guys, you know, here's my contact information. Reach out if you're ever looking for a job or something. I realized that nobody in the program actually takes people up on their offers. So I was like, all right. And I literally got a job at InStyle Magazine in their sales and marketing department. And then it just kept going from there. I ended up working in advertising on the Kraft Foods account. And then I ended up interning at Coca-Cola. And what's cool is once you kind of have a couple of things on your resume and you've had a number of great experiences, it makes you a bit more marketable when you're looking for the next job. So when I went to look for a job and I wanted to do digital marketing, even though I had never done digital marketing before, I had done marketing at bigger companies. So Intel gave me a chance to head up their digital marketing for North America. And I was able to do that. And from there, it just kind of kept going deeper and deeper into marketing, which has been really cool. You know, it's said that the best marketers are the most empathetic people. Do you agree with that? I do. I believe that all marketing is, is building relationships with people. And I think a lot of times people get marketing advertising collapsed. And I think if they just broadcast messages out into the world, they're marketing and to me that's advertising. And so when I look for marketers, I love people who are, who are empathetic, who were psychology majors, who just love connecting and being with people. Because at the end of the day, when you're marketing well, you're really just getting to know people and adding value to them so that they can uh, get to know you and then make a better decision for themselves as to whether or not they want to buy a product or not, or go see an event or not something like that. Yeah. Like take some kind of action in some way, shape or form. Like, uh, and I feel that most people get it wrong by kind of diving in too fast, too hard, right? Like you said, just broadcasting, like spitting messages at them. Um, what's the alternative in your mind? Yeah, so I think that it's uh, a bit of an art and a science. I think that the alternative could look very much like, hey, I'm adding value and I'm building that relationship. But I'm also letting you know that if you want to, you know, go further, <laughs> you can do so. And so um, I came up with this method called Just Like Dating. And it's essentially that to market your business, it's just like dating. And if you look at it this way, you meet someone and you usually have to go to the right place. When I was in my early 20s, it was find the right bar where you thought your eligible people were going to be. So you find the right place. And then you spark up a conversation with someone. And then if you're really into each other, you maybe exchange numbers. And then you go on your first date. And then you go on your second date until you're at the point where you're like, yeah, let's, you know, be in a committed relationship or not. And marketing is the same way you show up where your people are, you meet them, you spark conversations, see if you're into each other. And that's usually through great content. Uh, and then if they're like, hey, I'm, I'm liking your content, I'm willing to give you my email address or my phone number or something so you can keep contacting me, then you have the op opportunity to date them. And your goal with dating is to be such a great companion that they want to continue the relationship and commit. And so I think a lot of people go, oh my gosh, I need to make sales. I need money. And they jump right into walking into a bar and saying, hey, you want to get married? 
But for some people, depending on your business, that dating period could take months. It could take 10 minutes. It really just depends on what you're selling and who you're selling it to. How smooth of a talker you are, you know? Like, uh, <laughs> Well, and I feel like most people just catfish the hell out of their, you know, their potential dates instead. You know, as far as their marketing is concerned, they razzle dazzle them with all of this amazing stuff. And then once they get in there, it's completely different or it's just hollow. I don't know. What do you think? No, I completely agree. And it's so funny because I am as open-minded as I am and how in life I usually give people the benefit of the doubt. When I see marketing, I have a million questions. So every time I see a message, it's like, I can help you make a million dollars or I made a million dollars in this year alone. I always have questions like, okay, well, what was your profitability? What did it take? Did you already have brand equity? What, like, what was going on and what does your program actually look like? Because I've been in programs where it was marketed like it was going to be this amazing community and everybody was going to come together and you were going to have all the support you needed and you kind of get in and it's here are some modules. If you disappear, you're gone. Like, you know, like, sorry, yeah. if we're not looking for you or making sure that you understood what we're talking about. So catfishing and marketing is, is definitely a thing. It is definitely a thing. It's just like you get in there and it's just sad trombone, you know, it's like, wah, wah, where it's just such a letdown. And, and that's where I feel people get jaded by those types of experience. And it just makes it harder for like legit marketers, the people that are empathetic and that really do spend time, invest time in the psychology, developing the relationship. It just makes their job that much harder. It does. That's why a lot of people right now, hate calling themselves a coach. And I use coach in quotations because some people really aren't coaches, but there are some people who don't want to use the word coach because a number of ideal clients have been burned by so many other coaches that they're afraid if they say they're a coach, nobody's going to buy from them. So you have people making up terms like I am a business strategist. And some of these are real, but like I'm a strategist, I'm a consultant, I'm a mentor, I'm an advisor, I'm all sorts of things because they're trying to find the word that has the least jade like negative connotation to it yeah 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 you got to get real real creative with that stuff and uh and i feel like i feel like you can bypass a lot of that work by by really just focusing your marketing content on building that relationship meeting people where they are um is that the kinds of things i'm curious like before we get into your specific system is this a lot of what you learned in places like intel you know, the, the marketing that they do, is it similar to what, you know, you know, what you learned in a kind of that job role? It's funny. Um, when yes and no, not really. I mean, the reason being is that when you work for one of these fortune 100 companies, they have millions of dollars that they're spending on marketing. And at a certain point, they've already done work where people get their product. It's more about reaching more people conveying why to choose them over somebody else. And it's a lot more brand awareness work. And when you're a smaller business, uh, anywhere, like even if you're by small business, you could be making millions of dollars, but compared to somebody who's making multiple billions of dollars, you're a small business. For a lot of those folks, it's much more about um, inbound marketing, content marketing, or things that allow people to get a taste of who you are really quickly and then make a decision more so than it is just having a, you know, 
dun 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 like a, a jingle a jingle <laughs> is not the right word i know what they call it. it's like a branded tone um but like then having brand assets um or like nike just do it like those things are great when you're a billion dollar brand and you're trying to reach that many people around the globe but when you're just getting started it's about building those relationships with people and you can scale that but that's what's um, more important not to say that the big companies don't do it but they do it in a much different way they're running like big advertising dollars they're doing big events they're doing things like that where we're probably like sending email newsletters and like doing little webinars like having on zoom calls and stuff yeah <laughs> doing lives it's different well, you know, um, before we before we get to the whole system and the iteration, it's just so funny because when you did that, dun, 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 right? So I heard one time that there, you know, people, psychologists have studied how to get songs out of your head. And that was one of the techniques that they suggested that you do. Every single time that you play that song, that, that song that you can't get out of your head, do that little jingle because you know it and it's easy to remember, but it's also very easy to just forget about. And something, something happens where if you just do that a bunch of times, you forget about that and you forget about the song simultaneously. I don't know. It just works. Nice. Yeah. So in case, in case any of you have a song stuck in your head at this very moment, use that jingle and it'll work. Uh, Yeah. There you go. So, you know, I came from an engineering background. It turns out, and I little did I know at the time how much my engineering education would be beneficial to marketing in a sense of iterating, right? And treating every marketing campaign like an experiment. Tell me how you now view marketing and, you know, in terms of experimentation and, and iteration. Yeah. So when I left Intel, I went to be head marketing at a tech startup. And you don't realize how much you don't know about marketing until you go from marketing a big brand to marketing something that has no brand equity. Like nobody really knew who we were and things like that. And the biggest thing that's different is that, you know, with bigger brands, you can kind of do a number of different things. And even though you're spending money, it's moving the needle in some way, shape or form. Like you, There's very rare that you do something and it eats up all your budget and it, de- it does huge detriment to the brand. Whereas when you're a small business or a startup, you have limited dollars and kind of every dollar counts and you need to figure out really quickly if something's working or not, because you don't just have this, well, a whole bunch of people saw it. So, and they liked it. So we're, we're good. It's improving the brand. Money well and, spent. Right. Money well spent. And so one of the things I started realizing is that uh, people wanted to know, okay, well, what specifically do we have to do? What's the answer? And what I quickly realized is that I'm like, I can't tell you exactly what's going to work. We're going to have to run these little campaign experiments. We're going to have to come up with what we're going to do and we're going to have to do it for a period of time and then figure out what works and doesn't work and keep iterating. And so I started doing it when I was uh, in the startup world. And when I started my business, I quickly realized that even though I kept seeing all these webinars and three-part video series and I have met events of people telling me this is exactly what's going to work. This is what's going to build your business. At the end of the day, nobody can tell you the exact copy to use. Nobody can tell you the exact time of day to run something. Nobody, I mean, they can give you what's worked for them or what they've seen works, but for you to know 100% that it works for your business, you're going to have to do what I call experiment cycles. You're going to have to do it once and then do it again and then do it again and then do it again, making little adjustments along the way. Those little adjustments, do they 
do you have to determine what your what your predicted outcome is first, right? Before you start to, you know, implement those little adjustments or do you kind of just do it the first time, see what happens and then, and then kind of go from there? Yeah. So it's really starts with having a goal because you have to um, know where you're going. Stephen Covey, if you've ever listened to the seven habits of highly effective people or teens or any of those, I read the one for teens when I was younger, um, my aunt gave it to me. But habit number two is begin with the end in mind. And it's literally the only habit I remember. It's my favorite habit, particularly because it's the only one I can remember. Um, but you have to begin with the end in mind. And so what I always tell people is have a clear idea of what you're hoping to get out of your marketing. If you're sitting down and you're like, wow, I need 10 new clients this month, then go, okay, well, then the benchmark, the goal is 10 clients each month. And then you start going through what is the thing that I think is going to help me get 10 clients this month? Is it doing this webinar every week and with each webinar bringing on, you know, two to three clients? Is it doing one major live event? Is it going live every day for 30 days? Like sit down and come up. What is my strategy? What's my game plan? What's my hypothesis? I tell people to come up with their hypothesis that says, if I do this, it's going to get this result. And then... Um, you start there. And so once you have like a place that you're going, it makes it easier to figure out, okay, is what I'm doing working or not working? Well, what if somebody doesn't have any basis for comparison? Like, um, you know, so they go through that exercise and they say, look, I need 10 clients this month, but maybe I I could do a webinar and get maybe three or four clients. Uh, I could do a free challenge and get a few more clients, something like that. But the question is, maybe, like, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And I've never run a webinar before, so I don't know how many clients to even expect. Is it best to just guess at the very beginning and then just do it and see? Yeah. So at the beginning, there's usually, uh, with anything that you want to do, there's usually somebody who's done it before. And if you look online, um, and I wouldn't spend all day every day doing it, but you can look online and find out and ask yourself, okay, what is the average conversion rate of a webinar? Or what is the average conversion rate of a challenge or things like that? And you can start asking yourself those questions because people have built calculators. And, you know, I remember I had a coach once who said for the average of people on her email list that would buy a product was like 0.89% where like the industry standard said something like 2%. So she at least knew, okay, well, like for me, it's 0.89%, but she knew that because she did it a bunch of times. So when I went to do it, I said, all right, well, I like to be a little conservative. So I'm going to say 0.5%. If I can get 0.5%, I'm in a good kind of trajectory. And then the goal is to improve so that I can get to the 1% or the 2% or the 3% that the industry was saying. So the first thing I would do, oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I was was just going to say the... um, being that that thing about being conservative i think that's a really important point for people like the stuff that you hear online like take it and then cut it in half right be conservative about your numbers that way it's way easier to hit the expectations at the very beginning absolutely and because you have to understand that if somebody's saying that their average is 2%. It's not like day one, their average was 2%. What it really means is that they've worked on it enough to get their average to like the new norm to be 2% or 3% or whatever people are saying, 20%. So if you know, okay, this is somebody who's done it a million times and that's what they're saying, 
I'm going to assume that because it's my first time, I'm going to do significantly less than what they're saying. And then I'm going to aim for that. And then if I somehow get way above it, cool. If I'm below it, then I still have a ways to go. But at least you have um, a, a vision of where you're going. And I think that's super important. How do you stop people from becoming extremely depressed when they look at those initial numbers? Like uh, if you have a really conservative number and you say, okay, you know, I want to sell 10 coaching spots this month, but I have a conversion rate of 0.5%, meaning that I need to get like 500 people or so, whatever, onto my webinar just to, just to make that work. Let's just say that those were the numbers. Um, and people get scared about that kind of thing it gets kind of daunting and perhaps depressing. What, how do you, you know, help them through it? What would you say? Yeah. So one of the first things I do with my clients is I have them come up with all of the experiment cycles in advance. So they don't know uh, what their results are going to be, but we bank on usually eight a year. Sometimes it's six, sometimes it's 12, somewhere in there. But if you know that you're going to do the same thing multiple times, then it feels little bit less terrible. (laughs) Like it's not going to not feel terrible, but it'll feel a little bit less terrible when you don't get the results the first time, because you know, in like four to six weeks, you're doing it again anyway. And so, or four to eight weeks, depending, you're going to do it again anyway. And so that's one of the things that I found to be incredibly helpful because it's like, if you say, uh, I make this up, but if you say, I want to lose a hundred pounds this year, if you, um, start off by looking at the, oh my gosh, I have to hit, if I'm going to lose a hundred pounds, that means I have to lose two pounds this week. I'm making this up a little bit. Um, like I have to do it. But if you say, you know what, I am going to, uh, some weeks I may only lose a half pound, some weeks I may lose three pounds and you allow yourself like, Hey, here's the goal, but, oh, I didn't hit it. That's okay. I have another week. I have another two weeks. I have another six months. I'm going to just make it up somewhere. I'm going to keep doing better. I'm going to learn from what didn't work this week. And I'm going to make adjustments so that I have a better shot of hitting my goal next week. Staying adaptive, you know, like adapting that goal, that bigger goal and just letting it happen, but still with that end in mind. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Because you want to get to the destination. You can say you want to get to a point where you're converting at 20%. I'm making this up and for, cause you were talking about webinars. You can say you want to get to that point, but if you know that you have, six tries to get there or 20 tries to get there, then it's not going to feel so terrible. Then if you're like, I've got one shot, you know, the big wigs are saying that they, this is their average. So I better do it on my first one. Otherwise, you know, this doesn't work for me and I better give up. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, advertising the $20,000 webinar, right? Where you just have the expectation that you're going to go in there, throw some slides together and get everybody to buy your product and then just rake in the dough. Um, also, I found that is the, the same mis, misinterpreted expectations with evergreen webinars, things that, that aren't even live, that you, end up, that you end up are just recordings. People think, oh, you know, I'll just record a slideshow and throw it up there and everything will be great. You know, I'll just sit back. And, uh, and what they, I guess, don't realize is that the evergreen webinars, the ones that are recorded, it's taken it's taken time and time and time and time again to perfect the presentation of that webinar to give it the, you know, the effectiveness that it has today. So don't hold yourself to that standard. Yeah. Because if you do want to have something that runs automatically or on autopilot, you have to make sure it's the best version of what you do. And so if you said, let's say 
um, I'm making this up a little bit, but let's say I said, I want to have an evergreen webinar that just runs on autopilot where I know, you know, a hundred people watch 20 of them will pay a thousand dollars for this product. Bam. I have $20,000 every week. Okay, cool. That's fine. But one of the things you're probably going to need to do is run that webinar every week or every other week for like a year to figure out, oh, okay, well, when I did this one, this is how many people showed up. This is how many people bought. Okay, I did it again. This is how many people showed up. This is how many people bought. And you record all of them and you're like, which one did the best? What did I do differently? Okay, let me try it again. Let me see if I just because I did it once, can I do it two, three, four more times doing it the exact same way and get the exact same results? Wow, I can. Now I can automate this because I know that it's not a fluke. It's something that I did over and over again, the exact same way. And it still worked. Totally agree. I totally agree. That is like the way to do it. And that actually is a great segue into the first question that I like to ask guests on this show, which is as far as marketing and iterating and experimenting, you know, there's some people out there that have never tried this before. You know, they, they've, they've never tried the experimentation method. In your opinion, What's one step, one way that they could get started doing this consistently every day? Yeah. So if I were to tell somebody to do one thing every day, it would honestly be to um, get choose like one platform, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn and, or a podcast, doesn't matter. But like pick one place and show up consistently every day for like, the next 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, but like do it so that you not only get comfortable, but you can figure out what is likely to happen. And you may want to sell something you may not, but if you showed up and for me, I just, I started my business going live every day initially. And that's what I like doing. And don't get me wrong. I was scared to go live. I had to psych myself up to go live for like weeks before I actually started doing it. And then I realized that nobody was watching anyway. So it didn't matter. And like, then I, could get yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just stumble through this and I'll eventually get better. But if you went live, for example, every single day for the next 30 days for your platform, um, you would see just like more people recognizing what you're doing, more people watching, you'd figure out what's working, what's not working. You're building that kind of relationship with people so that by the time you do feel ready to sell something, they already feel like they know you, they feel comfortable with you. You've mastered for lack of a better word, or at least gotten better at it, um, at what you're doing. So my answer, go live every day for 30 days. Yeah, no. And and it's, it's great that you said that because I can personally attest to that with these shows. Like I had no idea what I was doing at the very, I still kind of don't know, but I, uh, but doing it consistently really ups, ups your game. You learn quick, like what works and what doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. No, when I started my podcast, it doesn't, the episode doesn't come out every week. I do two episodes a week. But when I uh, first started interviewing people, something happened after I had done, you know, a couple of interviews where I was getting pitched all the time. And then I got connected with an agency that had all these clients. And next thing I knew, I was interviewing a new person pretty much every day, even though those interviews weren't going to be released for like weeks and weeks in advance and or later on. And what I realized is that I became really quickly more comfortable and better at interviewing people. I noticed things that I would say all the time. Like I, I often say, Oh, I love it. <laughs> I really do love it. But if I say I love it in every single episode, five times kind of loses its meaning and effect. <laughs> but because I was doing it so consistently, 
I was able to hear myself and figure out what are the things that I did. So I really recommend people doing something consistently from a content creation standpoint. And not just, and not just like learning about your sort of idiosyncrasies and how you, how you present the material, but also how people respond to what you put out there in the world. It's a great way to refine your message. I mean, I'm sure for the people that are listening right now, I'm sure you can relate to the idea that in your head, you know what you want to say, but in the heat of the moment, when you actually are responsible for saying it out loud, like articulating it and putting it out there in the universe, you just, you go, you know, you, you just freeze. You, you have no idea. Like you can't find the words you, you stumble on yourself and it's very difficult to slow down, right? Collect your thoughts and then just roll with it so that it's one smooth, like long, beautiful transition. And that's what you can do if you just show up consistently. Absolutely. I was speaking with a client earlier and I basically gave the homework assignment of to have a hundred sales calls because I said, if you do sales calls, and this is, if I were to amend my one thing, choose the area that you're weakest in, whether it's, you know, marketing activities or sales. But if you get on sales calls every day, even if you feel like you are stumbling through them, you will get better. And what's going to be really amazing is you'll find that somebody will probably say yes to you. And then you'll be like, wow, <laughs> there's no way that a hundred people will say no to you. I mean, it's possible, but it's highly unlikely. Yeah, exactly. Like by the hundredth person, if you haven't learned anything by that point, then maybe it's time to look at another profession. <laughs> but uh, but you you sort of painted the picture of the next question, which is, which is what would happen if somebody consistently did that for the next, say, 30 days? Um, if they showed up, like, you know, for, for you, for instance, doing all of these lives, what seemed to happen to you is that you, you got more comfortable, you got more comfortable with interviewing people, especially like in, I mean, were you doing them live or they were pre-recorded? So, you know, you could edit them if you messed up kind of thing. So my podcast is pre-recorded, but when I started my business, I went live on Facebook by myself every day. I was just showing up live, talking. <laughs> I would just give advice. And so by doing that every day, what I found is uh, I had this repository of content that pretty much explained every challenge that my ideal client would ever come up against. Not everyone, but the big ones I had at least addressed. And so what I found to be helpful because I did that is when somebody was interested in working with me, what is one of the first things somebody does is they look you up, they Google you, they search you online or something like that. And because I linked to my videos on my website, then, and I'm sure it probably came up in search, it made it easier for somebody to say, you know what, I'm willing to work with this person because they could binge watch me talking and sharing my philosophies and sharing my content and made it easier for somebody to say yes. So you'll see whether it's going live or doing sales calls, it will in 30 days, you should one, ideally see um, some sort of traction when it comes to making sales. But even if you don't, because some people it takes, like I said, with dating, some people will take five minutes, others, it could take you know, six months, I've had people say, I've watched you for two years, I'm now ready to work with you, you have no idea how long it's going to take. But you should feel confident that you have this great content that positions you as an expert. And there's so many things that happen behind the scenes that you don't know about with people, like you said, like, you know, you 
that person that watched you for two years, maybe you had no idea, you had no clue whatsoever that they were doing that. And then they just pop out of the woodwork and they're like, hey, I'm ready. And, uh, and it's great. It's a great feeling when that happens. It is. And that's literally what happened. So when I did my show and I started my business for five years ago, but when I first started going live, I actually quit at some point because, well, I gradually quit. I changed it from every day to weekly. And then I gave it up altogether because I said, what the heck is the point? Nobody's doing anything. Nobody's commenting, engaging. I don't know what's happening. And what I realized is that after I stopped doing them, I had people reach out months later, say, Hey, I've been, I watched all your videos when you were going live. I'm finally ready to work with you. I'd love to work with you. And I was like, huh. So those videos were doing something. Maybe I should have kept that up. And so I really encourage people to just stay consistent and consistently improve, but also look at more metrics and just sales because sometimes there's uh, or oftentimes there's a lag from, I did this live to somebody actually bought from me. But if you can look at, well, how many views did I get? Even if people aren't liking or commenting, you could see how long were people watching. And some people are just silent watchers. Yeah, totally. And actually, I'm glad that you mentioned that because here, check this question out from Greg, right? So Nikki, how do you decide what to tweak per experiment, especially to start when things are new, right? Great question. Because like you said, if you decide on the metrics, how do you determine like what to change once you get a result? Yeah. So um, I first have to say the importance of tracking everything that you do. And so one of the games that I like to play, and I wrote this in my book, and I will not sing it, but I play this game called How Will I Know? And it every time I say that, it makes me think of Whitney Houston's song, like How Will I Know If He Really Loves Me? And then that plays in my head. But uh, you play this that one, (laughs) that one, I play that song in my head and I ask myself, like, how will I know if this experiment is working? And so I literally look at all the possible things that could go right or wrong with an experiment. So I'm just going to use webinars as an example because it's helpful. And then this will answer the question of what to tweak. But um, let's say I said I'm going to do a webinar and my goal is to get 10 new clients. Okay. Well, there are so many things that I would need to know in order to figure out if this thing worked. How many people, sh- how many people registered for the webinar in the first place? Or probably even how many people I got heard about the webinar and then how many people actually registered and then how many people showed up and then how many people stayed the whole time and how many people bought. Like there are so many things that I could ask myself, like, how will I know if this worked? And so once I have all of those numbers and I look at, okay, how many people saw my post or read opened my email promoting it or you know did i personally reach out to you all right what percentage of those people registered okay what percentage of those people showed up okay what percentage of those people purchased and if you're looking at all those numbers you can figure out well where did i go wrong first if i only had if 100 people registered and only two people showed up then no wonder i didn't get 10 sales and then you start tweaking okay well how can i get more people that say they're going to come to actually come do i need to send reminder emails do i need to send you know, a personalized text. I don't know, I'm making it up, but you start just looking at the numbers and going, okay, where is the biggest challenge? (laughs) Where was, where were things looking great? And then they weren't looking great. And you start there. And again, it's part intuition and part science, because the reality is, is that if you tweet any part of those numbers, you make it better. Like you're going to see better results. So let's say, oh, okay, well, only two people showed up. Nobody bought, but I did it again. Oh, two people showed up, but two people bought because I changed my sales positioning at the end or I fixed that. Okay, great. 
well, now I have more people buying. Now let me try to get more people showing up. Okay, now let me get more people coming in the first place. It doesn't make a huge difference where you start, in my opinion. It's just that you test, like you choose one thing and you say, I'm going to do it again and I'm going to tweak it and I'm going to do it again and again and again. And I wouldn't get hung up on, ooh, did I choose the right thing to tweak? You know, just choose one, make an adjustment, use an educated guess. It's art science. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad that you repeated And for everybody that's listening, if you didn't hear this, then you should listen again. Choose one, like just choose one thing. Because what do you say to people if you if you change too many things at one time, you can't really tell what you know. And and say you make more sales, you can't really tell what happened. Is that what your experience too? Yeah. So when you think about like marketing, we and I'm pretty sure this probably similar in engineering or other things, but we have what's called A/B testing or multivariant testing. And I'm going to keep it simple so it's not super complicated, but A-B testing means like I changed one thing and 50% of people saw this version and the other 50% saw this version. So you can look at the numbers and go, oh, okay, well, with my first webinar, 50% of the people, I changed this one little thing and the other, and I got this result. And then the other one, 50, all these people got uh, the same, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm making it complicated. You change one thing. <laughs> You change one thing in A-B testing and then you look at the results and you're like, okay, before I change this one thing, this is what it looked like. And after I change this one thing, this is what it looked like. And it makes it easier to determine was changing that one thing a good or a bad idea. But when you change a number of things, and that's multivariant testing where you change a bunch of things, you can't say, oh, it was this one thing that I changed. You just know that this entire experience got this result and this entire experience got this other result. And multivariant testing is faster. So you may choose to do it, but just know that you may not know like the very specific thing that you change that's going to work, which is why I personally recommend doing A-B testing um, just to at least know, okay, I'm in the right direction in terms of the wrong direction in terms of what I'm changing, as opposed to changing a whole bunch of stuff and not sure what worked and what didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Like just heading... If it's going to be a different direction, make it a different broad direction until you can narrow, 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 narrow until you finally nail it. Um, So I totally agree. And I've seen that work in both my own stuff and the people, uh, the clients that I've worked with in the past. I mean, this is the way that it is done. So I I, I 100% agree. So, so yeah, so this is great. And by the way, Greg... uh, Greg responded by saying, that's some scientific method in action. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I literally, I wish more people got this, or I wish somebody told me this earlier, but I basically consider running a business and marketing a business the scientific method. Like if you just pretend that you're in science class and you're doing an experiment, it's uh, the same thing. And it's more my type of experiment because in science class, I did an experiment on nail polish and how to determine what's the best nail polish. So this is probably like marketing science experiments or up my alley as opposed to I'm not dissecting anything or like doing anything along those lines. It's like the fun type of class for me. Exactly. Exactly. And then like for, you know, for me anyway, I mean, same deal. I mean, I wasn't painting nails, but we were, we were for the engineering point of view, we were creating like these big, these big machines for big rock shows and stuff. So if you, you messed up, uh, you ended up, you know, killing Justin Bieber. So, uh, so yeah, so it's like way easier. It's the more fun kind of testing because this all has to do with human psychology. And it's, uh, it's really interesting once you start digging into the, the nitty gritty of it. 
So this has been such a great talk. Uh, I want to let people know, right, if they want to understand a little bit more about you, if they've got some questions, uh, they want to follow up with you, tell me what you got going on in your life and how do people get in touch with you? Yes. So uh, I'm going to look this up because it's pretty new and I'm super excited about it. But I have this new app on my phone because I'm a beta tester for the same. Did you ever see when like celebrities would post their numbers on Instagram or Twitter or something like that? And they're like, text me. So the company that they're, uh, they're using, uh, somehow I got into their beta tests of doing it with like entrepreneurs and non-celebrities. And so I now have a number where people can literally text me and I can send them voice memos and answer questions. No way. It makes me so happy. Tell yes. me, tell me, hold on. So Nikki text. Here, hold on. Let me put this, I'll put this into the banner. Text I love it. Nikki. All right. What's the number? 646. Yeah. 603. 603. 1324. 1324. All right. Yes. So I'm looking at it every day. Uh, So that works. Um, And it's like not my personal cell phone number, but it's literally it goes straight to my phone. And for you, it'll look like, oh, Nikki's texting me. So that's number one. And number two, uh, I listen to my podcast. It's called Market Your Genius. I think it's really cool. Um, I bring people on the show if they want to ask questions and stuff. So start listening, see if it resonates with you. And I'd be happy to help any way I can. I love helping people. Well, do you, uh, on your show, do you bring on, is it all kinds of different marketing? So if there are people listening right now that are in e-commerce versus like coaching, like all that stuff, does it cover all those bases? Yeah. So it's, uh, it covers whether you're selling services or products. I myself am coming up with products too. So it's, it's fun. Um, but it's also kind of beyond marketing. So I have people come on and talk about, we talk about mindset, we talk about uh, product development, we talk about um, pricing strategy. I have people that are uh, literally working at startup companies and have started startup traditional, like meaning they're getting equity, those type of companies, I have consultants, it's a huge range of people. So it's a lot of fun. This has been awesome. Oh, man. Uh, So guys, if you if you are listening right now, go check out Nikki's stuff. She is the real deal. I love how you help people. I love how you explain things. Just the mindset of the engineer, I just can relate so much to that. And, uh, and the scientific method. Seriously, this has been a great conversation. Just want to say thanks for taking the time to explain all this stuff. Anytime. Anytime. It's a lot of fun. And I definitely, for anybody who's stuck, again, text me. Go to my website, whatever works for you. But I've, I've got you. This is fun for me. Nice. All right, guys. Well, this has been great. Nikki, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. This has been a, a fantastic episode. So, guys, this is Josh and Nikki signing off for another episode of Firebuilders Live. Remember, we stream live every day, Monday through Saturday at noon Eastern on this channel. So, check it out. Nikki, thanks again. And we will see you guys later. Adios.